Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today in the show, we're going to be talking just a little bit about resolutions for the farm, 2024 resolutions for the farm. What are your New Year's resolutions as we move forward? If you'd like to call into the show, our number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com. Well, my brother Darren is a little bit under the weather today, so I'm broadcasting from the Morton studio by myself. But again, if you'd like to call in and join me, you sure can. 844-44-AG-PHD. We're going to get to the AG-PHD mailbag in just a second here. But before we do, when we talk about resolutions for the farm, um, and, and I saw this was our topic today, and a lot of times I do have some kind of resolution I'll throw out there for the farm, but I don't really know exactly what it would be this year. I don't have anything that I said I didn't do from the past years where it was, oh, we got to put more tile in. We've got to build our fertility up. We we do a number of these things, uh, get some dirt work done and this and that. I, I feel pretty good. I, we, we're set up. So if we get at least halfway decent amount of rain, I'm hoping we have a good crop this coming year. But I would say probably the biggest thing is our resolution, my resolution is I just want to be timely. That's timely with planting, timely with spraying, timely with harvest, timely. So, and you might say, well, that's really hard to do with weather and everything else. Yeah, yeah there, there's you, you can't beat the weather. But there are certain things we can do to prep for this. We can have products on hand sooner. We can have, we can go through our equipment better so it runs better when we need it. We can do a better job planning ahead. And so the things that we can control, I just want to do a better job controlling those. And hopefully the weather cooperates. If it doesn't, I guess, hey, we're going to do the best that we can. And, you know, we've had, it feels like the weather has been fighting us. It's either the weather or COVID pretty much every year for the last five, six years. But it still turned out okay. We've done fine. I, I I mean, we've had some really good yields. I mean, we had one cornfield this last year that went 274. The year before, we had one soybean field that went like 90-something. I mean, it's like, you know, despite all this, we're doing okay. I just want to do better on everything. And for most farmers, I think that's, that's the way a lot of us feel is we're just going to do the best we can, try to keep improving. And go from there. A lot of new technology, a lot of new things that are coming all the time. And it's just kind of sorting through that stuff, trying to figure out, all right, what can actually help us? And what things do we maybe need to uh, either not use at all or just test on a real small basis? Well, anyway, I'm curious what you have to say about resolutions for the next year on your farm. Again, if you want to call in, that'd be great. We'll get to your phone calls coming up next. But right now, Well, actually, I shouldn't shouldn't even say coming up next. Coming up after our first break. But right now, we're going to get to the Egg PhD Mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right, so our first question of the day is Ian. He goes, you guys were talking about manure. How do you decide how much manure to apply to each acre? Well, you apply until there's no more manure to apply. Yes, Ian, that is certainly one way to go, but we're obviously trying to be as scientific as we can. And let's put it this way. If I had the choice, 
because we get asked this question quite often. Let's say you had 1,000 acres and you have 500 acres worth of manure. That would be the whole fertility program for 500 acres. Should you do it that way? Should you spread it out? How would you prefer? Well, my preference is, yeah, I'd spread it out. I'd take my 500 acres worth and I'd spread it on 1,000 acres and then I'd supplement everything that I need with commercial fertilizer. I'd like to at least get some manure on as many acres as I can. That's what we found to be the best. All right, next one is from Caleb. He asks, how mobile is calcium in the soil? Well, Caleb, um, calcium is somewhat mobile in the soil. We've put on lots of lime, and then over the years, we just have continued tracking it and doing deep soil tests, and it eventually did get down there, even in super crazy heavy soil. So it's absolutely possible. But here's to go along with this. Here's his next question. When trying to balance calcium-magnesium, does it, like the high-calcium lime or gypsum, does it need to be worked into the soil? Uh, no, it doesn't have to be worked into the soil, but you got to keep this in mind. If, let's say, you put a really high dose of anything on the soil surface and you don't till it in, you got to think about the interactions in that top inch and tell eventually rain moves it down into the soil, which could be years. So we have Neil Kinsey come in and do a, a seminar just about every year in February, and he's going to be back again. So if you want more information on that, just go to agphd.com. But anyway, he talks often about how you just don't want to ever go above 2,400 pounds of actual calcium that you've applied per acre because it's going to start tying up a bunch of other elements, including iron and, and a number of others. So be careful about how much you're doing. So in other words, what I'm trying to say here is spoon feed it. I mean, normally you think about spoon feeding as, oh, I'm going to put nitrogen on three times this year or something. What I mean by spoon feed is instead of putting six tons of lime all in one shot, if you're not going to till it in, um, I might put a ton or two on every year or two over time and then see how that goes. That's what I would suggest. His next question is, we've been deep banding, so 8 to 12 inches, dry fertilizer for 10 years of strip till and we still struggle with stratification. It's as if the crop pulls the nutrients out of the strip and lays what nutrients are left in the residue on the surface, creating a layer of stratified recycled nutrients on the surface of the soil. I'm not very excited about doing full-scale tillage due to the slope of the land we farm and cover crops are a challenge to get established this far north. He's in Wisconsin. Is there anything else I can do to manage nutrient stratification? Caleb, I'd say what you're doing is exactly the right thing. Just keep putting them down deep and chances are you're doing the same thing as we are in strip till. We're putting on crop removal rates rather than build rates. So it's not like you're getting real carried away. If you were doing build rates, you would see over time it would build down below. But I, I'm assuming you're doing crop removal rates. And yeah, that, that's just kind of the way it goes. Don't worry about it. Here's the good news. Your crop is using those nutrients from down below. And hopefully your yields are good because of that. So sure, if you can till, that might be good. But since you don't want to do that, I just keep strip tilling. I think it'll be just fine. Well, stay tuned. We're going to talk resolutions for the farm and get to your phone calls next. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. 
Improve germination in your fields with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our unique spike design seals your seed within a firm vein of soil, providing maximum seed-to-soil contact and maximum germination. Order a set for your planter at farmshopmfg.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Get the most from every acre on your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn and soybeans, a soils clinic, and a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information and we can't wait to share it with you. Best of all, these events are free, so be sure to check them out. Register today at agphd.com. Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here live in the Morton studio. Today we're talking about New Year's resolutions. As we head into 2024, we're going to go to the phone lines now. Got Justin calling in from Iowa. Hey, Justin, how are you today? Hey, real good. So this is a big question. Have you thought about anything new and different you want to do on your farm? Any, any resolutions you've got as you head into 2024 on the farm anyway? You bet, you bet. Probably the neatest thing we probably have been looking at is, is these spray drones for the year. And um, we're at a field day this summer, that, you know, everybody talks about a wow factor, some of the new innovations and that. And yeah, uh, just really been intrigued by the spray drones and, and purchased one here for next year. So we're kind of excited to, you know, mess with not just fungicide, but doing some trial, uh, you know, trial applications of fungicide and foliars. So, so what got, what got you excited about doing that rather than just using the sprayer you had in your farm or or did you not have a sprayer? Uh, We did, but this is going to be, you know, something we can go into uh, tall corn and and beans and do multiple, yeah, and do multiple applications in the hills. We're in the hills of Southwest Iowa where, you know, we can go in and and do uh, very timely applications of, of lots of different products. So how many acres are they telling you you can get in an hour or in a day? Or what's what's kind of your thought there? Sure. Well, we're pretty new to it, and so we're just learning. But it really varies on terrain. Uh, you know, any I've heard anywhere from guys doing 100 acres a day per machine to doing, you know, three or 400 acres uh, a day with, with, a, with a DJI. So. Yep. Yeah, we've looked at that too. I we were supposed to do something last year, just never got it done. So I assume this year we'll probably be testing with that. 
But the way I kind of looked at it is I thought, all right, well, if we experiment with one, if we really like it, you can get a swarm of drones if you wanted to. They're talking. Uh, it just, it some, just keep. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because I, right, and I just thought, well, that would be efficient because, well, it's going to take one person to operate a drone. You know what? One person could probably operate three, uh, the way that a lot of these things it looks like are supposed to run uh, somewhat automatically. So yeah, that's uh, that that'll be kind of fun. I, I'm I'm real interested in that. So after you start running it next year, give us a call and let us know how it's turning out because uh, I think we're going to have a lot of guys experimenting with that. We're really excited about it. We think the ROI is one of the best we've seen with the equipment that we've purchased for the farm. So a lot of guys are paying for them the same year they buy them, you know. And, yeah. and you can't do that with a half-a-million-dollar ground sprayer. <laughs> and so it's pretty exciting. Yeah, yep, that's for sure. Anything else you're thinking about as we head into 2024, Justin? Yeah, I think, you know, I've been really impressed with our speed planners. Um and we're looking to do more with that and just, you know, it's the the, the accuracy of, of bean planting. Uh, we're pretty excited about that in the future. We've never been able to plant beans that accurate. Um, um, so we're pretty excited about that. And, and uh, yeah, so that's something that we've seen. It's been out for a while, but on our farm, we're really impressed with the seed spacing of, of, of that new equipment. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it, it, just all this new technology, it's it's fun. And every year here on the show, we do an episode like this, just talking about, well, what are you looking forward to, to next year? And then maybe what if you had to make any cuts on your farm, what do you not want to give up? And almost in, invariably, it's the new technology. The new technology just helps so much. And you, you brought up the key point, like with the drone thing, it's good ROI. So I'm glad you're focused on that. Yeah, it's ex- we, we're just really blessed with a lot of neat tools that we didn't used to have, yep. you know, at our fingertips. And so we're just, you know, just try to get better every year. We've talked about bagging uh, on the show before, and we keep pushing that, that it's the logistics and yeah. the cost of the machines, how you can keep everything going in the fall and just all those things. Yep, yep. Yeah, it just keeps changing. Uh, Justin, thanks a lot for calling in to the show. We want to wish you a happy new year. Hopefully 2024 is your best year ever. Thanks a lot for calling in. Hey, happy new year to everyone. Thank you. You bet. All right, let's go next out to the state of Indiana. I got Gordon calling in. Hey, Gordon, how are you? I'm fine, Brian. How are you? Great. So have you made your New Year's resolutions, Gordon? My new resolutions is that we, we need some rain down here, just like everybody in the Midwest needs. <laughs> yep. I, I, I wish that I could help you with that, but there's not much I can do outside of uh, irrigation to uh, solve that problem. But how about anything you're, you're going to change that's maybe within your control in 2024? Anything new and different you're thinking about? Well, I think I think our our uh, game plan of what we're doing different is that we've got about four years of uh, tissue sampling that's been fairly intense, mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to go back and we're going to see what we've improved with what we've applied. Yep. But trying to look back at the different stages and see what those samples have indicated to us, and the last two years have been a lot better than the first two because we didn't know what we were doing the first two, and we're, we're getting better at it. But I think we can now even fine-tune more based on our tissue samples of what nutrients we really need to concentrate on. What's the number one nutrient where before you started doing this tissue sampling, you said, well, I think we're doing fine, and after you started tissue sampling, you go, yep, we need to improve? 
manganese. What are you doing to fix that problem now? Uh, we think that we're going to have to, one of the things we're going to try is we're going to increase our zinc levels in the furrow and maybe two by twos to see if that will help release the manganese. The other thing is we think we have found, we have been applying some manganese uh, foliar mm-hmm. and that seemed to work as well as anything on being able to bring the numbers up, but it, it's a, it's a tough nut to crack. Yeah. Yep, I'm with you. And I will say this, there are a lot of people that want to blame Roundup for causing manganese issues. And we've looked at a lot of soil tests and a lot of tissue tests over the years. I don't think it's the Roundup. I think it's just flat out, we haven't been applying enough manganese. We just don't have enough in our soil. That's what I think. What do you think is going on out there? I think I should have studied more in when chemistry class and paid attention because I think these chemistry reactions are more than I can handle. <laughs> I appreciated the fact that she said you wanted to increase your zinc when I asked you the question about how you're going to help your manganese out. So, yeah, there are a lot of interactions in the soil that uh, I, I, I agree with you 100%. I should have paid closer attention to some of those chemistry classes. Maybe they said something like that and I just totally missed it. But anyway, uh, anything else that you're thinking about as we head into 2024 gordon well i'd like to ask you a question yeah go ahead a second if i could please yeah all right so am i correct that we've heard from you and others that v3 is about the time that the seed trans or the plant transfers from the seed energy to the fruits is that correct well i mean there isn't a there isn't one set stage. Let's put it that way, because immediately okay. you're going to have roots going out into the soil, and uh, so you've got your lateral and your seminal roots. And the other thing is, even at V1, you have your first ring of nodal roots. So I, uh, if you want to say at V3, any seed energy is about done. That could possibly be, but honestly, even at V1, you're getting a lot out of your roots. Why, why do you ask the question? Why well, ask the question? Says, well, I'm going to say the Hefty Brothers raise seed corn, and they do a great job because it's all balanced. And if you've done a seed analysis on your seed after you raised it, and it shows 25% more zinc and manganese and across the board, and I, te- I plant product B, which is just not it's just normal seed, but it's not near the level of nutrients that you have, if I planted those side by side, would I have a greater tissue value than B3? And did that plant get started off better because it was more packed with energy in the first place? We've tried to make that argument before. We've, we've done a lot of work with that. And let me step back for a second. So what you're talking about is that if we have the right nutrients in the soil, we're going to have the seed that's produced with more nutrients in there. And quite frankly, quite frankly, it's the whole plant. We look at it even with alfalfa production, silage production with this local dairy we're working with, where if we have better levels than about everybody on certain nutrients, and you can absolutely see that in the end product. But to the question of does that carry all the way through and do you have more vigor? I'm going to argue you do. Is it leaps and bounds different? No. Uh, not from what we found, but yeah, you absolutely can have a lot more into that seed and a little bit more vigor. Hey, thanks for calling in, Gordon. Appreciate it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. 
From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. Stay in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. The greatest herbicide of all time earned its title by defending your soybean fields. Authority Supreme Herbicide's low-use rate formula delivers longer-lasting control of broadleaf weeds and grasses, providing you with the best-in-class combination of Group 14 PPO herbicide sulfentrazone and Class 15 molecule pyroxysulfone that outlasts the competition. We're Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC, and we play to win. Learn more at authoritysupreme.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. This is Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today we're talking about 2024 resolutions for the farm. Next on the show, we got Dwight calling in from North Dakota. And by the way, if you'd like to call in, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. So Dwight, how are things up in North Dakota today? Well, pretty good. Covering, recovering from kind of an ice storm. We didn't have much in form of ice here, but areas east and south had all... A tenth to half an inch, inch of ice accumulation, which we're not used to, so it wasn't so good. Yeah, I mean, for us here, too, I think we had about an inch and a half of rain 
over that Christmas weekend. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. very unusual for it to be raining that much in the Dakotas, but yeah, we saw a lot of ice. So as we're talking about 2024 and heading into the new year, anything you're thinking about for your farm, any resolutions you've got, anything new and different you're thinking about into next year? Sure. Uh, we have started to do strip tilling for some of our crops. We have the strip tiller a few years ago, but we're still trying to get the RTK and the guidance set up so that we follow the strip tillers a 12 row, 22 inch and the planters 24 row, 22 inch. So we have to make sure everything coordinates and we haven't done that real well the first year or two, just not getting it quite coordinated right. So we, um, don't have strips this fall, maybe this spring, but sometimes that's hard on our land to do that in the spring because it's kind of medium to heavy land and we don't really want to work it very deep in the spring. And then the other thing I'm thinking is variable rate fertilizer for the air drill. Sure. So let me, let me go back to the strip till for just a second. Mm -hmm. With that machine, is it Coulter's or Shanks you're using? It is a mole knife or a shank. Sure. Yep, then I totally understand exactly what you're saying. I have also, over the years, preferred the shank machine so I can go deep in the fall. Mm -hmm. In the spring, Mm -hmm. I've preferred the Coulter machines because we have the exact same situation you're dealing with. In the spring, it's cold. Granted, we're not as cold as you are, but we're cold. And uh, we have medium to heavy, a lot of heavy soils. And so, yeah, some years we can do it, but other years it gets tough if you're going to go very deep at all. So you've you've been doing some strip till, you say, but you haven't had the RTK set up? Well, we had RTK, but I don't know if our planters offset a little bit or something so that uh, when we did it in the spring, uh, we planted into it in the spring of 22. Yep. The fall, the year before crop was so poor of wheat, uh, there wasn't that much straw. So even yep. if we weren't on the strip, yeah. it probably worked out okay. Sure. But then this last year of 23 was a lot more residue to plant into. If you weren't on the strip, you it wasn't that good uh, yep. seed bed. Yep. So that's why uh, the crop wasn't that good on the strip till and. We just have to perfect it so we don't lose yield on the strip-till acres. Do you have rolling hills at all? I mean, is there any problem with the trail with your machines? Um, I do have rolling hills, but we're trying the strip-till on the flat land. Oh, so sure. that really wasn't so much of an issue. Gotcha. So we're just going to take it easy at first to, <laughs> to do it where we don't have the side hill draft yep. to worry about. So what got you excited about strip-till in the first place? Well... Uh, I'm on the west edge of the Red River Valley. So some of our soil is very sandy and others is medium to heavy. Mm -hmm. But with, we have erosion on the, on the beach lines that would be sand, it can blow. So you want to, we've been no-tilling that for a number of years. But on the heavier land, we plant pinto beans that uh, those beans probably need some black strip to grow real well in the cool spring. Yep. So that's where I couldn't plant pinto beans, one of my major crops, into, mm-hmm. into no-till. So we've conventionally farmed where we have pinto beans. Yep. But I thought strip-till will probably work pretty well for the 
spindle beans. Yes. Yep. Yeah, we really like strip till for corn and soybeans. We don't raise any pintos or anything, but I'm with you in those heavy soils. Having it a little warmer in the spring is nice. So let me go to your your variable rate fertilizer with the air seeder. A lot of guys talk about variable rate fertilizer with the broadcast, with a broadcast. What are you thinking about with the air seeder? What 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 interests you so much with variable rate there? Well, um, our valley lands are quite uniform, but there are some mounds in there that are very different. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you run into a gravel area where one end of the field can be 80 bushel wheat and the other one 30 or 35. Sure. So I say, why am I fertilizing for <laughs> you know, yep. 70, 80 bushels across the field yep. when I know up on the higher ground, if it gets dry weather, we're just not going to make that. We're kind of throwing away the money yep. where it's the variable part. Yep. And uh, that's why I thought maybe if we can variable rate, and I use an 1895 John Deere drill, which has the interband for urea. So that's where I am putting it right down between the seed rows. Sure. And uh, that works really good. It's just that I'm probably putting on too much in the light soil. Yep. Yeah, we have some of the exact same kind of stuff that you're talking about there. And that was always my thing, too, on the variable rate fertilizer. And quite frankly, variable rate seeding as well, too. I love cutting the population in those light soils. Um, All those things have helped us. The yield is still about the same, and now we aren't spending all the money on inputs. Hey, Dwight, it's been great talking with you today. We want to wish you a happy new year, and hopefully 2024 turns out great for you. Appreciate that. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. All right, let's head down to Iowa next. Got Chris calling in from there. Hey, Chris, how are things on your farm today? Oh, pretty good. Uh, Looks like I might get a little bit of snow here in a little bit, so... Yeah, we've had just a little bit over the last couple of days, too. Nothing nothing too bad for this time of the year, especially. So we're talking about 2024 and resolutions for the farm. What, what are you thinking about heading into next year? Um, our main things are just uh, trying to be more efficient is one of our biggest things. But we've been kind of um, expanding, like, our diversity and stuff a little bit, growing some more, like, cereal grains and stuff, some for uh, cover crop seed sales and our own cover crops. But also mm-hmm. we've... Uh, partnering with a distillery in Osceola, Revelton, and they uh, we do their rye for their whiskeys and stuff like that. So. Nice. So I assume they give you a little free whiskey uh, in exchange for some of the rye? <laughs> yeah, once in a while, for sure. So. <laughs> All right. So as far as the diversity, is there anything, I mean, why are you more interested in diversity? Just trying to get out of just that cycle of corn and soybeans or, or what's driving you toward that that thought yeah i mean it's a lot of things some of it's just uh trying to have a little more control over our own pricing but yep. also like expanding our rotations because like uh after the cereals and things like that we can do a lot more interesting things with like cover crop mixes and stuff like that to uh build the soil um and mm-hmm. kind of we can do more of those tillage radishes and stuff like that that you can't do if you do it after your corn or soybeans and then also we partner with a lot of local cattle producers to do some grazing on some of that stuff so it's become a real good partnership in our area nice nice so anything else you're thinking about as you as you head into next year other than i mean all these different crops that you're you're kind of looking at um we're working with some projects uh with some different companies that uh, we we're on our third year of uh perennial ground cover on three acres where we run a bluegrass all the time and then we try to get a crop to 
grow with it. It's been trial and error. We've had some hit and miss, but like we're improving. Um, so that's kind of interesting. And then we're also doing some stuff with uh, running some things, some different peas and beans ahead of corn. Uh, so we can use that as kind of like a natural nitrogen fertilizer and maybe cut some of our nitrogen rates. So, so Chris, uh, I, I was, I occasionally complain about we're, we're trying so many things on our farm. It's hard for me to even keep track of all that, but, um, I gotta say here, you, you got a lot of things going on. So kudos to you. I'm glad you're trying all this stuff out. Uh, hopefully you hit on a few things here that you really like. Yeah, for sure. I, I, when I was in college and stuff, I did a lot of different jobs and I've always really liked research. And so yeah. anytime if somebody wants to try something, I'm always open for it. So. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So Chris, uh, thanks a lot for calling in today. Great hearing your story a little bit and we want to wish you a happy new year. All right. Yeah, you too. And thank you. You bet. All right. Again, today on the show, we're talking a little about resolutions for the farm going into 2024. If you'd like to call in and share what you're thinking about for your farm, we'd love to hear from you. 844-44-AG-PHD. Again, that's 844-442-4743. You could also email us radio at agphd.com. Stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plans, do you think you could cut your farm's fertility expenses, maybe even increase your yields? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're holding our Ag PhD Soils Clinic on Tuesday, January 16th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the single most important day you spend in your farming career, and it's free. So register now at agphd.com. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, 
Together, we can uproot the stigma. Take your tillage to the next level with the Insight Universal Tillage Tool from McFarland Ag. With more adjustability and flexibility, the Insight is the ultimate one-pass tillage tool. Visit McFarlandAg.com to find your closest dealer. At Commodity Classic, you'll connect with farmers from around the world as we explore new frontiers in agriculture. Join us in Houston February 28th through March 2nd, 2024. Houston, we have no problem. Discover more at CommodityClassic.com. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here broadcasting from the Morton studio. We're taking your calls and questions all throughout the show today, just talking about New Year's resolutions. Let's see if Dell has one from over in Wisconsin. Hey, Dell, how are you? Hey, we, um, we run a pretty small farm over here. We take care of about 200 head of cattle sure. on a few acres. And uh, we, about six years ago, we started double crop and rye and corn. Mm-hmm. And the way the strips are set up, I don't have the option of moving them around due to I get the most, I get the most corn strips, uh, I get the most bushels out of them corn strips that are there. Yep. And so last year we took a small hay field and we planted rye into a standing hay field. And this year when it came up, it came up at the same time as all the, all the corn strips that had the rye on it. But second cutting the hay field was much more uh, rich with hay. I mean, it was just a better crop. And we put on, you know, we put on the potash and and the nitrogen that we can afford onto these hay fields. But this year we tried more hay fields where we're just interseeding this rye into it because uh, we had such good luck on the small field that we did. Since we're not able to come in and tear these up due to the strips, we're mm-hmm. able to come in, and, and I just want to see what this rye is like. I'm a huge supporter of getting enough organic. You know, there's three ways to use rye. You can you can use it as a feed. Mm-hmm. You can use it as just a cover crop. Yep. And now we're learning that we can use it to fortify um, more, make, make, make the hay fields even more rich. Um, we take ours generally as tall as we can get it because we're after volume. And then we mix our good alfalfa and our our corn silage with it in a in a feed mix for the cattle, and we're after tonnage. So, but I I can't I can't get people I can't tell people enough how much that rye has helped us. A few years ago, my brothers put it down on one of their farms after after a crop of beans. It was going to be corn the next year, and the they just put the rye on it. And we actually ran our cattle over the top of it. It came up that spring, got to be about four feet tall. They sprayed it, and then they used the zone tillage that they have for their ground. And uh, <clears throat> it looked like windrows out there. And by the first week of July, that ground had taken all of it in where it hadn't been tilled. It just, like, broke down, and that ground took in that rye. Yep. It was absolutely amazing. So when you talk about this has helped you so much, you, you said organic once. You're, you're saying organic matter, and that this rye has helped you build up your soil. Is that where you're going with it? It's helped build up the soil. It also has helped us in having enough feed by double cropping. We had 22 acres of corn, yep. and we double crop all of it. 
And yep. this year we filled a um, <clears throat> we filled a, a ten ten by two fifty uh, bag with twenty two acres of, of rye, which mm-hmm. and then and then we we turned around and and filled a a ten by two fifty of corn silage in the fall on the same ground. Yep. And so um, you know as far as the amount of pounds that we're getting off that acre is just amazing to me. Yeah. How much more we're getting off of it, and then it changed the color of the soil. Yep. We've got much blacker soil than we had. Yep. I feel like them roots just get. You know, the biggest thing is in minimum till stuff is trying to get nutrition everywhere, yep. and I feel like them roots do that. But yep. on our corn ground, we actually went back to chisel plowing it after the rye because we can't. We we were just trying to put everything on top, and we weren't moving enough. <clears throat> we yeah. weren't moving the lime around. We weren't moving the broadcast fertilizer around, yep. and things just started doing so much better after we. But when we do it, we do it like in one day. Sure. You know, we. It's not like we leave it. We don't chisel plow it. What we'll do is we'll chisel plow it, disc it, and then we try to lay it down with a fine drag so that we keep all that moisture in there. And this year it was really important. We Definitely. got five. Five inches of rain from the from the first of May until the middle of September, <laughs> and if yeah. you got just a little bit to the east, of, you went go twenty miles to the east of us. They got two inches. Wow! And um, they, they, there was corn in our area that, with those rainfalls, got did over two hundred bushel the acre. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, a lot of people talk about you have to go no-till in order to build up your soil. And I often will say, look, like Francis Childs, for example, this is 20-plus years ago. He was the world-record corn grower for many years, and he wasn't doing no-till, and he was still building his soil. If you raise tremendous crop, and especially like you're talking about, double crop, rye, and corn— you got a lot of roots in those soil or in that soil. Well, they and, claim there's as much root. They claim there's as much root under the ground as yes. what there is plant on top of the rye plant. Yes. Yep. Yep. We find that with just. I mean, with most plants, it's really the same thing with okay. corn. Same thing with corn. And so that's what I often say to guys: is look at how massive that corn plant looks. Now imagine that below ground. And you might not, you dig it up and you're like, oh, there aren't that many roots. But sometimes we can find roots many, many feet down in the ground. There are a lot of roots that get put out with that corn plant. So even if it's not quite as much mass below ground, it's still a lot. So yeah, with your rye and your corn, you're you're really doing a lot of good for that soil. You well, know? and then we buy, we buy corn fodder bales to put, to bed the cattle with. And I generally buy far more than, than what we what we would have gotten off the crop. Yep. So all that goes back down as, as bedding. Yeah. And it gets hauled out as manure. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Well, sounds like so, uh, you got a lot of things to work on there, Dell, and uh, it's pretty exciting when you're doing good for that soil. No, it's amazing what that organic matter does to turn that soil around. Yep. I just can't tell people enough how important that is. I, I wish I could get everybody to plant it just, just once to try it. Their crop does the next year. Yep, yep. Well, that's awesome. Hey, Dell, it's been great talking with you today. We wish you a happy new year. Hopefully, you have a great 2024. Yeah, same to you. You bet. Thanks. 
All right, we're going to jump right back into the Ag PhD mailbag. We've been getting a lot of questions here. And yesterday, Darren promised that we were going to get done with all these questions that have come in before the end of the year. I don't know that that's going to happen, but I'm going to get to a few more here today. So I got two questions. This first one is from Derek and the next one's from Robert that are about the same, where Derek's asking, hey, you guys have used a lot of soil test apps over the years. What are you using now? And Robert is saying, I heard you guys were talking about this soil testing you're you're using now is Verify. Um, how do I get more information about that. So, yeah, we started using this Verify program a couple of years ago. It's V-R-A-F-Y, so V-R-A-F-Y dot com, Verify. And it's really uh, it's really awesome. So the couple of things that it does that you can't get with the other software systems we were using before, number one is now we can create a variable rate map for fertilizer to replace the nutrients we've removed without even doing any soil testing. It can take your yield map from either this year, last year, or a combination of the two and put that into a variable rate fertilizer map. So that's awesome because we're not going to soil test every single field every single year. Uh, The other thing it will do is it can match up your soil test points to yield. So We've been talking about this for probably five years because we were doing it manually for a long time on our farm. Well, this system automates it, so it's pretty slick. And the nice thing about that is then you can see which fertilizer products you're using are paying and which ones aren't. Which things in your soil um, you're short on and that's affecting yield and which things you're um, at the right level on and it's really positively impacting yield. So. It's pretty awesome. Again, that's verify.com is the one we're using. All right, Sam from Washington asks about phantom yield loss at harvest. Have you guys done studies on that, any trials on that to document it? Well, let me first explain for our listeners here. What Sam's talking about is this theory that if you harvest, and I'll just use a couple numbers here so it's not exactly this, but let's say you're harvesting your corn at 25% versus if you're harvesting your corn at 15%. And there's going to be the shrink, of course. But beyond that, there are many people that are saying, well, we're gaining a whole bunch more yield when we're harvesting at 25% net by the time we shrink it out and everything. Um, We found that to be somewhat true. There's a little bit of gain, but I don't really look at it as phantom loss. We've talked about this often on the show. We've never done any big studies, but we have done a bunch of side-by-sides and found, yeah, we gain more. I just think it's more stuff going up in the year. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest-lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an Authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. You have a lot at stake when it comes to raising corn. I'm Darren Hefty. That's why on Wednesday, January 17th, we're holding a free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll help you navigate all the challenges of corn production, including how to manage exploding pest populations, resistant diseases, fertility challenges, and more. It's a day packed with information. So if you want to get the most out of your corn this season, don't miss the free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop. Register now at agphd.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. 
Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. How can Naturals products help you raise bigger and better crops? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. Biologicals, or Naturals as we call them, are impacting every facet of agriculture today, and that will only grow in the future. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals workshop, Wednesday, February 7th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of Naturals products, and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. Good morning and hallelujah! Watch it. My spray and pray days are over! What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped. <laughs> we feel heaven! Amped? Yeah, he ordered that new Battalion Amp herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history! So, how can I... Get amped? Just go to battalionamp.com. It's gonna be a good year! Always read and follow label directions. for joining us today. I'm Brian Hefty here on Ag PhD Radio. So right before the break, I apologize. I ran out of time there. I was answering Sam's question about phantom yield loss, and I said, I don't really think it's phantom loss. It's stuff that goes up in the air. I ran out of time. I'm, what I was trying to say is stuff that goes up in the air, stuff that ends up on the ground, stuff that ends up in the stomach of many of the animals that are constantly feeding out in our fields, so I think that's where this phantom yield loss comes from. But yeah, we we really like harvesting corn on our farm at somewhere in the range of 20 to 25% moisture. And what we have found is that we do gain a little bit compared to if we let the corn get drier and then it shrinks down. Now, sometimes we gain a lot more because there's a whole bunch of corn that ends up on the ground. But even when I talk about in the air, you're probably wondering, what the heck is he saying with the corn going in the air? Corn doesn't go in the air. For 20 plus years or 20 straight years or more, I ran our grain dryers on our farm and we dried a lot of corn. I dried a lot of corn every fall. I saw almost every single load come in every fall. And the amount of fines, I'll just call it, that went up in the air out of the truck, out of the first bin, out of the, the wet bin, out of the dryers, out of the dry bins when we're, we're cooling them. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes up in the air. So is it, you know, uh, an enormous percentage? No, but it's something. So I, I just say this, the more we can keep the kernels intact and if you've got good moisture in there when you're harvesting, the better chance you have to do that. You just have less harvest loss. There's less on the ground. 
uh, and there's less time for the animals to eat it. That's all great stuff. And here's the other thing that I often bring up to people. I really liked drying corn when the weather was a little bit warmer rather than a little cooler. And you might think, well, you're only going to get there a week earlier, maybe two weeks earlier, whatever. Every little bit helps. And I used so much less propane when I was drying, and that day happened to be 70 degrees and sunny. The sun actually really helped me too, almost as much as the heat. But, I mean, compared to a 40-degree day or a cloudy day, it, it mattered. So I always was looking at those things because I was always trying to minimize the cost and maximize my return. So anyway, that's what I think and how I feel about phantom yield loss. Yeah, we've never done any extensive studies. We've done enough side-by-sides so I can say it's real. I just don't believe it's phantom loss. We have had people come on the show before and say, no, we're getting 20 or 30 more bushels. Like I've never experienced that. I really haven't. All right, we're going to go next out to California. You got Tony calling in. Hey, Tony, what are your New Year's resolutions? Good afternoon. Is My New Year's resolution is to keep the coyotes off the, off the watermelon and all my other melons, and even the grapes. So <laughs> we've got a, lot, I, um, we got a lot of hunters out here in South Dakota who would love to help you with that problem. <laughs> oh, just bring them on out. You know, you know those wooden crates that you put, oh, that I guess that cactus yep. farmers use. I cover, now I have a smaller farm, so I cover every single melon with uh, those crates. Wow. I started that about four years ago. Yeah. Well, that worked. Then they learned to tip the crate over. <laughs> this last year, I had a friend cut a whole bunch of rebar, so I drive a piece of half-inch rebar in between each crate. Now, this last summer, they started digging down below and pulling them out of the bottom. Wow. And, uh, yeah, just, so... I don't know. Uh, can you bring your hunters out here? That would be fantastic. <laughs> All right. So uh, Tony's out in California, and what he's saying, for anybody listening who loves to hunt coyotes, uh, that that's your opportunity. Now, see, Tony, I went to South Dakota State, and our arch rival was the University of South Dakota. Their nickname is the Coyotes. So, yeah, we, uh, oh, it, we, yeah, we, we like hunting coyotes them. out here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, um, I had an idea this year and, and yeah. I couldn't believe I saw it on the internet. Um, I was hoping for like a barking, a sensory solar panel barking dog sound. And I guess yep. I found that on the internet yesterday. And then the same thing can do a shotgun sound. So I'm going to set up, I don't know, I, I only do a couple acres of melons. That's enough for what I do. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to grab about five or six of those and have barking dog and shotgun sounds and uh, as well as my crates and, and see if that see if that helps out this year i don't know well you know it's know. a it, it's kind of like we talk often on the farm a little bit of diversity mixing things up can help and you're probably going to run into the same deal your wooden crates worked at first your your posts worked at first um, these things will most likely work in the beginning eventually the coyotes will probably get wise to that but anyway it's it's certainly yeah. worth a try yeah you got to do something well you know, it's funny, a few years ago with just the birds, um, you know that propane tank yes. shotgun yes. sound that goes, so it worked great for a couple of days, <laughs> and then, you know, a couple of days later, the propane would go off 10 feet, 15 feet from a bird, and they don't even flinch. <laughs> so, yeah, yep. it's constantly trying to figure out, but last year, I just, it took a toll. They just ate probably half of, half of everything I had in the field, so... Oh. That's too bad. Um, I think I'm just going to have, I was also thinking, you know, since I only do a couple acres, 
I don't know, putting an eight foot fence around it, yep. eight foot chain link fence around I, it is what I might what I might have to do. Yeah, that's what I was just going to suggest is maybe a big fence because I mean that certainly would be enough to keep coyotes out. Now they may try to dig underneath your fence, but that's going to yeah. take them some time. Uh, so that would be about the only thing you'd you'd kind of have to watch for. Uh, anything else be, is uh, go ahead. That'll be 2025's uh, resolution, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> All right, so keeping coyotes away, anything else you got for a resolution for next year, Tony? Just to have a better year. You know, um, You know, I, I don't know if I mentioned to you before, it was my dad and me running the farm, and I lost him about a year and a half ago, and, and learning to run the farm on my own um, has been, uh, been challenging. And, you know, when you yep. don't like building a room addition, if you don't like the color of the paint, you can change it overnight. Yep. If you lose a season, you lost a season. Yep. So I just, you know, I, I've taken a year and I've learned how to do it better on my own, how to use my time, make every single step count, and just more of that, more of, more of uh, being more uh, sufficient, getting it, getting it done. So I, I look forward to a better year. This year was better than last, and I think next year will be even better. Good. Yeah, my dad passed away four and a half years ago, and every once in a while, I, I mean, it, it gets easier as the years go on, but every once in a while I'm like, dang, I wish he was around so I could ask him this question. And, I mean, there are always those things, and you just think back to, why, did, why didn't I ask him more questions when he was around? Oh, but anyway. I know. Yeah. That's the thing, the question. It's funny, or it's not funny, but it, it, it's funny in the funny kind of way. I um, when he passed, he was, his thing was watering. He knew where all the valves were. He didn't yep. want me to touch anything. Yep. And when he was gone, I could I didn't know where all the valves were. And it was you know it was May when he passed away, and it was starting to get hot. Yep. So that was that was challenge number one, trying to figure out where all the valves were. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, on to a better year. I'm looking forward to it. Um. You know, even though I'm 56, I move around out, out at the farm like I'm 24. So, well, <laughs> not 24, 34, <laughs> maybe 40. <laughs> but, uh, I, but, uh, I hear you there on that one, Tony. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, thanks a lot for calling in today. Appreciate hearing your stories. Absolutely. And uh, we want to wish you a happy new year. And, yeah, hopefully 2024 turns out great to you, great for you. All right. Happy New Year. And I'm going I'm to try that corn again this year. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> All right. Good luck, Tony. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care. Yep, you too. All right. We're going to get right back to the Ag PhD mailbag here. Got time for one or two questions yet. This next, from, next question is from Meta, who asks, how about the ideal depth of popcorn and sweet corn? You guys are talking about planting depth for field corn, that that's an inch and a half to two and a half inches deep. Uh well, with popcorn and sweet corn, yeah, it's actually the same. So I would plant it just the same. So like on our farm, I like two, two and a quarter inches for depth. I do the same exact thing for popcorn and sweet corn. Uh, next one, just a comment uh, here from Ambry who says, uh, hey, you guys were talking about or actually had a video on cattle grazing corn stalks. Our beef herd grazes on corn stalks here in Canada it benefits both the soil uh, and it provides it benefits the soil. It provides food and feed and reduces costs. Uh, for us, it's a worthwhile approach. Uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for that comment. I mean, there are a lot of different ways to farm, and you, you heard some of them on our show today. Lots of different ideas out there. And it's just like yesterday we had some question come in about different types of tillage, and I said, look, 
I don't care exactly how you want to do things on your farm. We're just here to help you. So if you have questions on anything you're trying to accomplish, let us know what your goals are. And uh, we're, we're just know that we're here. <laughs> Whether it's 2023, 2024, or hopefully many years beyond that, you can always send us an email, radio at agphd.com, with your questions. All right, before we go, just want to say uh, thanks to Mark and Michelle running controls for us today when everybody else is out on vacation. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.